We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Team 980 and always streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Lanelle Willingham. Here with you on Burgundy and Gold today, the new midday show here in town. We're providing you the best Washington Commanders coverage in the area. We got expert analysis, fan reaction, and the biggest names in Burgundy and Gold history. Weekdays 12 to 3 here on the Team 980. The combination of myself, the legend Scott Jackson, and the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. We got you covered all season long. Right now, though, we got some expert analysis on the way for us. David Harris, co-host of the Locked On Commanders podcast. He's actually out in Ashburn right now, and we just heard head coach Ron Rivera speak to the media. David, appreciate you giving me some time, my man. What is the latest on the burgundy and gold as we sit here 48 hours out from the NFC East opener against the Philadelphia Eagles? Who's in and who's out? Yeah, I think I think the biggest concern coming into this this contest obviously has to be uh, the the defense's ability to defend Jalen Hurts and then obviously is his new big weapon AJ Brown and unfortunately they're going to be without Case Duhill and Daniel Wise for that game and then James Smith Williams also is going to come into that and into the weekend questionable so those first two are ruled out uh, already and then uh, you know uh, James Smith Williams will be questionable he told us in the locker room on Thursday that he should be good to go he feels fine you know he actually even kind of demonstrated what happened. Uh, when he when he kind of overextended his, his abdominal area there, so you know whenever a player is kind of showing you what he did to his, his injured area, kind of is a good sign that right. uh, he's probably going to be good to go. So some pretty confident there, uh, but you know you never want to be thin uh, in any position group. But when you're trying to contain a guy like Jalen Hurts, I think that's uh, that's 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 even a little bit more concerning. And then David Mayo, uh, a new addition on Friday to the injury report with an ankle, and, and he's he's officially questionable for Sunday as well. The big news uh, out of Ron's media availability is the fact that Cam Curl is set to make his season debut Sunday against Philadelphia. David, we all know through the first two weeks, Washington has been horrendous defensively. How does Cam Curl help help, uh, mitigate some of those woes? Well, I mean, just just the upgrade at that position specifically, you know, uh, Derek Forrest, you know, did uh, did as well a job as you could ask him in week one, you know, probably, you know, had a a little bit of a – a rougher outing in week two, but I think that, you know, part of that's probably indicative to the Detroit Lions having a little bit of tape on him. And now they're actually scheming to go up against him and try to exploit uh, some of the things he's doing, you know, in his, in his second season. So uh, you don't want to, you don't want to crucify a guy too much for, for something like that. But now with Cam Crow coming in, obviously that position, you know, elevates, but then also the Buffalo nickel, you know, position elevates. Uh, Derek Force is supposed to be the Buffalo nickel. You know, you were out there uh, at training camp. We, we saw it, you know, with our own eyes, that he's, he's the number one guy. He was kind of the number one guy coming into camp, and he never lost that position. So now that Cam is, is going to be back out there, uh, Derek can come kind of more into the box, more maybe where he's a little bit more comfortable, where he's been getting coached up and prepared all preseason to play. And the timing couldn't be more perfect because you talk about A.J. Brown, and I'm not saying, you know, Depot's going to come in and just completely wipe out A.J. Brown as a weapon. He's still going to get his touches, his looks, his catches. But Derek Ford is a bigger body uh, than what you would have in there otherwise. And A.J. Brown does most of his damage so far this season over the middle. So having number 22 there to kind of help mitigate that, maybe keep some of those catches uh, to minimal yards after game should be huge for, for this defense if he, can, if he can get the job done. David, I was reading some of the quotes uh, from Ron on Twitter, and he name-dropped mm-hmm. another player. And I know it's so frustrating when this happened. But is it, was it a direct question asked about Cole Holcomb, or, or, or did Ron 
give his assessment unprompted. And if, and if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit what he had to say about Cole Holcomb. Yeah, I mean, the question wasn't, you know, necessarily pointed towards, like, trying to, to find, like, a, a deficiency. And I, I don't think that, that Ron meant it in any sort of negative way, just that, you know, Cole, as, as a captain on this team, and, you know, he's been a leader on the team before he was officially named a captain. But, you know, maybe a guy trying to kind of go out there and pick up some of the guys that are struggling a little bit, pick up some of the guys that maybe are underperforming and, and take it upon himself as a leader uh, to, to kind of plug those holes, you know. And then to a, to a certain extent, that's what you want in a leader. You want a guy who sees the problem and says, you know what, I, I'm going to try to go out there and help fix the problem. Uh, but that's what Ron was talking about is just getting all the guys to understand, not just Cole, but some of these other guys too, to understand that, you know, there's 11 of you on the field. You know, Cole Holcomb, you know, Montez Sweat, whoever it is, can't do everything by themselves. Cole's got to worry about where, where Cole's job is, uh, you know, and as the, the play caller and, and a team captain, uh, again, you know, if, if Jamin, for, you know, for argument's sake, is out of play, you know, on, on the spot when you have time, go coach him up, be that mentor, be that leader uh, on the team. But at the end of the day, you have to trust uh, your brother to the right or left of you, you know, in front of you, behind you, to do their job, not try to do their job for them. And, and of course, Ron drops his, his favorite quote, you know, the play doesn't care who makes it, and that's absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, and that's just, I think that's just what he wants Cole to understand is, you know, be that leader, but don't overextend yourself because when you do, you know, uh, there's a saying in the military, when everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. And for Cole Holcomb, you know, if you're trying to do your job and, you know, say Jamin's again, that's not specific, just kind of throwing a name out there. If you're trying to do yours and Jamin's job, then you're really, in reality, you're not right. doing either job. Right. David, help me take a little bit of a temperature of the organization right now. Obviously, the team was riding high. Uh, after the week one victory against Jacksonville, obviously a stinker performance this past Sunday against Detroit. After the, after Sunday against Detroit, what do you, what is the mindset of this football team heading into their first NFC East game against Philadelphia? I know a lot of people, you know, are, it's natural to try to be down on this group after two weeks, but they've got yeah. 15 games left, and you got a big one coming up this Sunday. Right. I mean, I'm, you know, I think some of the frustration comes in not so much just from the, the singular loss, uh, to the Detroit Lions, I think that was kind of a one-off, and everybody could accept it. But you kind of hear the same, you know, the same same beat from the drum coming that you heard all last year. You know, it, it's guys being out of position and and not playing, you know, to to the play call. And and I think that's where the frustration comes from. And and, and as a as a group, you know, specifically on the defense, obviously they, they've got to come together. Uh, and that's where again, going back to those leaders, Jonathan Allen and Cole Holcomb, and those guys just. If, if you know a guy missed the play, you know, coach him up, talk him up, you know, keep guys, hold, hold guys accountable inside the formation. Don't expect the coaches to have to be the guy, uh, you know, to, to keep the players accountable, be accountable to each other uh, and hold each other there. You know, I think that's really what they need to focus on because I know a lot of people don't like, you know, hearing Coach Rivera talk about, you know, handful of plays, five, six plays here or there. But really when you go back and watch the, the game and, that, and, the, and the film, and, and that applies to Jacksonville as well, there's right. a handful of opportunities that Jacksonville takes advantage of those opportunities or the ball breaks their way, then maybe they come out with a win, but Washington was able to take advantage of enough opportunities on their own uh, and, and make enough plays to get the win. Well, in Detroit, you know, it kind of all starts with that first interception, you know, and you can't totally blame, you know, a guy like William Jackson slipping in the end zone. It kind of is, is something, you know, it's not like he intended to slip in the end zone, but, you know, maybe if he comes away with that interception, it changes the dynamic of the game. And those are just kind of the things. But in order to take advantage of those opportunities, you have to be in position to make the play. That's coach's job. So when they tell you to be in a position, be in that position. And then when the play comes your way, be ready to be the guy. Yeah, obviously a key to beating Philadelphia, David, is going to be jumping out to a fast start offensively. And I think through the first two weeks, yeah. they've, they've done a good job of that outside of Detroit. The big plays in the passing game, though, have really been a surprise to me. I knew this offense would be able to consistently move the chains, but they're number one in the National Football League in big passing plays. That's passing plays of 20 yep. or more yards as a whole, based off of what you've seen in training camp in the preseason, are you surprised uh, that this offense has hit the ground running the way it has? Uh, I'm not surprised that the opportunities have been there, if I can put it that way. I think I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that they've been able to take advantage of some of them as early uh, as they have. But I think, you know, all through camp, uh, what I expected out of this offense was a very jab-jab hook type of offense <laughs> where they're going to come in and, you know, some, some up-the-gut runs, some screens, some quick passes all those things, get your defense to kind of shrink in on itself, and then that's when you take the top off, maybe a double move, maybe crossing patterns, whatever you can do to try to push the ball uh, downfield. And then what that does, that automatically kind of stretches the defense back out. Then you come back in with the jabs, which, you know, and all that stuff. I think some of that ability uh, is still to be seen because of, of, of what happened with Brian Robinson. And I think, uh, you know, Coach Rivera was, was very uh, – 
uh, happy, I'll call it. I always say excited, but like when he was asked about Brian's uh, recovery, he, he kind of, you can kind of tell he got upbeat about it a little bit. So, and so things are looking good. Doesn't want to put a timetable on it, which is fair, uh, but things are going well uh, with Brian and, and, you know, seeing him around the facility and in the locker room and stuff, he definitely looks uh, like he's a guy that's, you know, on the verge of, of coming back sooner rather than later. And I think when they get him, that's going to kind of help emphasize that that method yeah. uh, a little bit. But, you know, the concern of Carson and how quickly would he get in rhythm with, you know, Terry and all these guys, I think that's possibly the part that has surprised me versus the, the opportunities being there. Because I think that's all kind of by design for Scott Turner and, and, and what the offense is looking to do. Joining us right now on the Team 980 guest hotline is the co-host of the Locked On Commanders podcast, David Harrison. You can follow him on Twitter at dharrison82. David, I'll stick with this commander's offense, but I'll talk about the offensive line. Obviously, when we were out there at camp, you know, we never really saw uh, this first-team offensive line get reps together. Obviously, they're dealing with some attrition on the interior of the offensive line. Chase Rouillet lost for most likely the entirety of the season. Wes Schweitzer's nicked up. We've had injuries with Norwell and Turner. In this matchup specifically against Philly, how key is it that those three interior guys are on the same page? Oh, it's, it's massive. I mean, because you know Philly, they're, they're going to try to come in. They're going to try to disrupt the timing of, of everything that's going on, and they're going to try to plug up the running lanes to, to force Carson Wentz to have to throw the ball. And, you know, uh, I don't know how much the Eagles, you know, within the organization uh, really care about it because, you know, Carson kind of talked about there's there's been a lot of turnover uh, since he left. You know, obviously guys like A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, like they weren't even there. Right. You know, the two main receivers, Quez Watkins wasn't there when Carson was there. So, like – you know, it's a completely new – not completely, but there's a lot of new pieces to that team. Coaching staff is different. So, I mean, you know, the, the big storyline is obviously kind of this first game against the Eagles. But even if you ignore that storyline and the organization itself isn't looking to kind of prove something to Carson Wentz, you always want your defense harassing the quarterback, right? So right. that's going to start up front. And the more you can do up front without having to add extra defenders to that effort, the better off you're going to be in the back end and you can anticipate kind of those – those quick passes because cornerbacks love nothing than to be able, you know, even in man coverage, still being your backpedal and see a quarterback have to get rid of the ball quickly just gives you all the advantages in the world to try to step in front of it uh, and take it the other way. Trying to scout the opponent here a little bit, David. Obviously, Jalen Hurts had his coming out party of his career, I'll call it, uh, on Monday night against Minnesota. For the first two weeks, what have you seen from Hurts and are you surprised uh, at how efficient he's been as a passer to start the season? Uh, Again, it's not so much I don't know that I'm surprised by it as much as I didn't know how quickly we would see kind of this elevation of Jalen Hurts' game. I mean, coming into the season, that's that's the topic, right, is is how how much better is Jalen going to be as a quarterback versus an athlete? How much better of a passer is he going to be? And I think through the first two weeks we've seen that he's he's grown a substantial amount in a very short period of time, which I think is impressive and, and, you know, tip of the cap to him as a player and obviously to his coaches. Uh, both in the offseason, whoever he trains with and uh, with the team. But, you know, I, I still think that he's still the type of quarterback right now in his early stages of his development that you still want to force him to beat you throwing versus allowing him to beat you uh, with his legs. So I think that uh, when, you, when you look at Jalen, the football IQ is the kind of the part that stood out the most and, and is the most surprising. And I actually asked, you know, Ron about that today. And he kind of talked about how, you know, the impact of A.J. Brown, while A.J. himself is obviously a great talent and, and the best receiver on their team, really it's much more about how Jalen uses A.J. and how he reads the defense and anticipates and, and operates based off of what they're doing versus what A.J. just brings to the field naturally as a talent. And, again, when you talk about quarterback IQ and, and young guys, like that's usually where the struggles come in is that football IQ standpoint. So for Jalen to – already understand how to utilize his new weapon and how to counter what defenses are doing is just incredibly impressive. Definitely. Let's flip back over to the defense before I let you out of here, David. Key matchup this weekend for me is going to be Devontae Smith in the slot lined up against Benjamin St. Juice. I actually thought St. Juice has played well through the first two weeks of the season. I know he struggled a little bit with Christian Kirk. Obviously, we've been following his transition to the slot cornerback position ever since the offseason started. Assess his play through the first two weeks, and how do you think he fares this Sunday uh, against Devontae Smith? Yeah, I think relatively speaking, I think he's done really well. You know, I know uh, uh, there, there are a lot of people who, you know, there are moments, obviously, specifically against Detroit where he didn't do, you know, the, the, have the greatest rep uh, or snap-to-snap 
But, you know, when you, when you think about this guy as a second-year right. cornerback, first year really dedicated to the slot, he's, the, he's got the fifth most slot defense snaps in the National Football League through two weeks. I mean, this dude is playing a lot of football in just his second season. And, and even last year, you know, because of the injuries, missed a lot of time. So what he's being asked to do uh, is carry a very heavy load. And then uh, you mentioned Devonta Smith, you know, the second most targeted receiver on the Eagles roster. Uh, he's the only one who has more than one catch out of the slot for Philadelphia so far this season. So you know that matchup is going to loom large. I like the matchup uh, as long as Ben uses that physicality uh, to, to his advantage. He's got length on Devontae. He's got some physical ability compared to what Devontae can do. And if he can, can disrupt the timing off the line of scrimmage, off the release, and keep Devontae Smith from really getting into the open area, because I think that's where my concern with him is. We, we saw him during training camp take reps against Curtis Samuel. And, and while they're not necessarily the same type of receiver, I think the, the problem uh, that St. Juice is going to have matching up against Smith is kind of the same problem that Samuel gave him during camp and in practices, that agility and that quickness uh, that St. Juice just simply can't match at this point uh, in, in his game. So if, if Ben can do as much within that area where you're allowed to make, you know, contact and hand fight and do all that stuff, do as much in that area to prevent that release from being clean, that'll go a long way to helping him win uh, early and then and be more effective against Devontae in the, in the slot. David, I'll let you go on this, my man. Do you think Washington has a puncher's chance Sunday? Give me a score prediction for Eagles Commanders this Sunday. Yeah, I, mean, I think they absolutely have a chance. You know, like the the, the roster is talented. Uh, they've got they've got the players necessary to do. I think it's going to come down to uh, how well the Washington Commanders defensive front can impact the run. Um, how well that front again can can impact the run in in the sense of not letting Jalen Hurts just just have open stretches of twenty yards or more. Uh, to run the ball, you know, freely. And then also how this team uh, attacks A.J. Brown. You, you're not going to, again, you're not going to stop him from getting his targets and his catches necessarily. But what I think you need to do is minimize his yards after catch. I think that's kind of the biggest thing. And, and I think Derek Forsyth are moving down to the box, how they kind of bracket him, how they kind of account for that over the middle. This Philadelphia Eagles offense through two weeks has been very left-handed. Yeah. Like a lot of their <laughs> plays are going to the left side or at least within the left side of the right hash, if, if that makes sense. So. You know, I think that's something that should have stood out on tape, and, and we'll see how much Washington tries to leverage that or if they try to play a balance and, and let the Eagles kind of choose which side of the field they direct the action. But if they can, if they can, if they can minimize A.J. Brown's you know, post-catch production uh, and, and play discipline against Jalen Hurts and, and keep uh, the, the, the change, you know, second and eight, third and six, stuff like that, uh, then they definitely have a puncher's chance. You know, unfortunately, we've only got two weeks of, of, uh, of real – uh, opportunity to look at this team, and given the opportunities Jacksonville didn't capitalize on, the opportunities Detroit did capitalize on, it's hard not to go with Philly in this first yeah. matchup of the season. But I do think you're talking a three or four points spread. I think my official uh, prediction was 31-27 Philadelphia, so four points uh, spread. I think Philly's favored in most books by six and a half. So, I mean, technically, you can take Washington against the spread, but I think Philadelphia probably comes out with a win. Yeah, they're going to have to make plays on Sunday, David. I appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Absolutely, yeah. Sorry for, for being late. We didn't know the practice was getting cut short today. Oh, we're all good. I, I Trust me, for being out of camp, I know how wonky that stuff gets. Appreciate you, my yeah, man. Yeah. Enjoy the game. Appreciate you. Always get smarter talking ball with my man David Harrison. Make sure to tap in with the Locked On Commanders and Locked On Bucks podcast. He does an excellent, excellent job. Uh, and you also got to give him some credit for being able to deal with Chris Russell on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> him and Pete, two special, special guys. Give David a follow on Twitter at dharrison82 for the latest on the Washington Commanders and Tampa Bay Bucks. Got to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the quarterback of the Washington Commanders and this defense. What's been more of a surprise for the first two weeks of the season? Carson Wentz in this offense's hot start or the poor start of this Commanders defense? I'll tell you what I think next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, 
They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What a buildup. We're missing the lyrics, but I appreciate it anyway. Shout out Matthew Essie getting us in and out of breaks here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. Burgundy in gold today. Getting you up to speed with the latest on the Washington Commanders as we're 48 hours away from the first NFC East game of the 2022 season. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles set to come to town trying to extend their record to 3-0. A hot start for the Birds this season. Washington obviously coming off a loss Sunday against the Detroit Lions. We just got off the phone with David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. Gave some interesting nuggets uh, about Washington. The big thing we learned, though, in that conversation with David, though, the season debut of Commander Safety Cam Curl Barring anything unforeseen, is set for this Sunday, an integral part of this Washington defense, really the Swiss Army knife for this group. You got the ability to line them up in the slot. You can play them as your deep post safety. He can play in the box. I mean, I think Cam Curl being available for this game specifically is huge, 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 huge news uh, for this Washington defense. Look, they struggled to make tackles on a consistent basis against Detroit. They struggled to fill gaps. They struggled to play with the attitude and effort that they need to play with. I'll tell you what, Cam Curl not lacking in any of those departments. I think it, it represents a huge addition for Washington defensively. And I'm curious to see how defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio uh, is going to switch up the personnel groupings defensively. How is he going to deploy the guys uh, on this group defensively? You got Cam Curl back in the fold. As uh, David Harrison mentioned, it doesn't mean you got to take Derek Forrest off the field. I definitely don't think the return to Cam Curl means that. During Washington's four-game winning streak a season ago, and I don't want to just count for the four-game winning streak, even the two games prior against Green Bay and against Denver, you saw them only give up 24 points and 17 points. That was when they officially made the move of switching Landon Collins to the Buffalo nickel spot, and it allowed them to play that three-safety look of Bobby McCain, Cam Curl, and Landon Collins. That's when this defense had his most success a season ago, playing that three-safety look. Now that Cam Curl's back in the fold, Derek Forrest, Bobby McCain, they should stay on the field as well. I think it allows Washington to be more multiple defensively. You're, 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 you're allowed to you know match up with things better. Dallas Goddard has been on an absolute tear to start the season. I'm interested to see how Washington's going to try to stop him. But as I mentioned, we all know Jalen Hurts wants to beat you from outside the pocket. We all know this Philadelphia Eagles offense wants to manipulate you with the RPO attack. Having Cam Curl on the field makes me a lot more confident in their ability uh, to stop Philadelphia. I will say this, though. Forget everything that's happened in the first two weeks, man. I keep saying this, and I'll continue to echo these sentiments as the show rolls on. Forget everything that's happened in the first two weeks for Washington and Philadelphia. This is a divisional matchup. Nothing else matters. It's all about who's going to come out Sunday with more of a kick-ass mentality. And hopefully, it's Washington. It was embarrassing last year, man. That game at home, I believe it was like week 16 or week 15. Let me, let me, let me get it right on the head here. It was week 16 at home against Philadelphia. And the Eagles just completely took over FedEx Field. If I had to put a percentage number on it. 65-45 Eagles fans. That cannot happen this Sunday against Philly. It can't, especially based on the turnout that we saw week one against Jacksonville. And even after the Jacksonville game, I was saying, man, is that a real turnout? Can we expect that and expect those numbers every home game this season? Because there were a lot of things rolling in Washington's favor. It's the inaugural game of the Washington Commanders, your first game under your new moniker, 
And then it's the first home game of the season, which normally you get your best turnout at. Man, look, I know the the fans in the stands aren't going to play any snaps. But, man, at least represent us well. They got fans on Twitter talking about how Philly's taking 20 buses of people down here to FedEx this weekend. You got the billboards up in Pennsylvania. Man, I'm sick of hearing about the Eagles fan base. That means nothing to me. And I sure as hell know it means nothing to the players. But I do know what is important to the players. Seeing a sea of burgundy and gold Sunday. If Washington in this fan base can come out in full force on Sunday, clearly, clearly it's to the advantage and to the benefit of Washington. Do I expect the fans to come out in full force on Sunday? Nah. Just going off the track record. Just going off the track record of the last few seasons. No, I don't. I expect it to be a Philadelphia invasion. I do. And I'll be honest, that's the thing about me, man. I don't have to sugarcoat anything for anybody. Our fan base and their lack of support has been pathetic. It has been. And I know I know the fans want to see a better product put out on the field. I, I, I understand that. I agree with that. But, man, how do you expect this team to be revved up? How do you expect this team to get fired up if it feels like they're away at home? Too many times last year and too many times over the years, we've seen other teams come into FedEx and take it over completely. If it happens this Sunday, this is a warning to anybody out there who's listening. If you're not thinking about going to the game, get out there, man. Go online. Buy tickets. They aren't too super expensive. It's not like Washington's charging you an arm and a leg to get in. But, man, we got to be represented well. Sunday against Philly, or it's going to get ugly. It might already be getting ugly. And I don't want to seem like I'm some Debbie Downer or or I'm a negative person, but based off of what you saw against Detroit from Washington and based off of what you saw against Minnesota from Philly, how the hell do you give Washington any type of shot heading into Sunday against the Eagles? I mean, seriously. This is my team. I bleed burgundy and gold just like y'all do. I'm a realist, though. That's the difference between me and y'all. I'm not drugged up. I'm not hired up. I'm not on alcohol. This is Sober Linnell coming to you right now, telling you my real emotions and how I really feel about Sunday's game against Philly. There's no chance in hell. There's no chance. Call it what it is. Washington doesn't have a fighter's chance against Philly, not based off of what I seen last week, and that's all I got to go off of. It's a results-driven industry, and the results last week aren't going to cut it. I need more effort. I need more fire. I need more fight out of Washington defensively. And offensively, I need this group to get off to a fast start. I really do. Because the rest of the football, the rest of the National Football League, excuse me, has been put on notice by the Philadelphia Eagles. Other teams understand the juggernaut that Philly is offensively and defensively. The question is, can Washington put on their big boy pants and say the hell with all the noise? We have a job to do. The hell with the expectations. We have a job to do. I don't care about the scheme. I don't care about you being put in disadvantageous situations. Go out and make a play. Because nobody else around the National Football League gives a damn that you're down Chase Young. Nobody cares that you had to miss Cam Curl in the first two weeks. We need wins. Point blank. Ron Rivera and company told you all offseason long, year three, was the most important year for this staff. Year three is when this team was expected to take a significant jump. You're 500 right now. You're 500 right now. You're one and one. I'll tell you this. The attitude of this fan base and the attitude of the folks in the media are going to be a whole hell of a lot different if Washington goes out and gets the brakes beat off of them by the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. we got to take a quick timeout. When we come back, We'll take a spin around the National Football League. Mark Schofield, who writes for SB Nation, is set to join us. We'll take a spin around the league and look at some of the top headlines heading into week three. That's next here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. Good vibrations. Marky Mark in the fun bunch. 
here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey at Manel Willingham taking you up to 3 o'clock here on the Burgundy in Gold today. The best Washington Commanders coverage in town. We've got expert analysis, fan reaction, and the biggest names in Burgundy in Gold history. I promised expert analysis, right? Joining us right now on the Team 980 guest hotline is an expert, Mr. Mark Schofield of SB Nation. He joins us right now. And, Mark, you got to give a big kudos to our producer, Matthew Essig. I said, man, I don't get it. But clearly, he knows more about Marky Mark than I do. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on, Manel, as always. And, yeah, look, good vibrations is still kind of a banner, if you ask me. <laughs> Man, clearly I got to do my research, man. Too young to too too young to be listening to stuff like that. Mark, let's get right into the beef of it, man. We're two weeks into the National Football League season. Week three kicked off last night on Thursday Night Football. We'll start there because you know I love talking controversial situations. Mike Tomlin continues to double down on the fact that he's not making any changes to the personnel or the coaching staff offensively. As an outsider looking in, is he crazy or should we just trust him? I want to say that Tomlin is a little crazy here, but I think it's important to remember this is a very patient organization. Right. Mike Tomlin, after all, just their third head coach since the 70s, since, you know, Chuck Noll. This is a very stable, patient organization. And I said that with respect to Kenny Pickett, that was a very good thing because they were not going to rush him into this, into the, onto the field. They were not going to start him until they felt he was absolutely 100% ready. Now, that being said, when you look at this offense through the first three weeks, when you look at this passing game, I know that there's a lot being said and written and, and discussed about Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator. He's dialing up plays that should allow them to attack the middle of the field. You watch their game against the Wakeland last week. They had a number of route concepts dialed up to attack vertically downfield, over the middle, to be aggressive in the passing game. And Mitchell Trubisky wasn't making those throws. He was either checking the ball down or going elsewhere. When you look at his spray chart, particularly from last night, particularly early in that game, everything was at the line of scrimmage and along the right sideline. That's it. But I can guarantee you, watching the film, there are open opportunities to attack elsewhere with the football. Mitchell Trubisky is not taking them. So, while I understand the patience that this organization has traditionally had with respect to coaching changes, personnel changes, quarterback decisions, they have to make a move here at some point because Matt Canada, say what you want about other things he's doing schematically. They've got some concepts in the playbook that I think they need to tear out on the mini buy. He's calling up plays where the quarterback can and should be attacking vertically downfield, being aggressive. Trubisky is not doing that right now. So I understand their desire to be patient, but I can't help but wonder if a quarterback change would allow that offense to be more productive downfield. Yeah, Mark, I agree with everything you just said. Let's flip over to their opponent from last night, the Cleveland Browns. And I really just want to give praise to head coach Kevin Stefanski and that whole entire offensive staff. The job that they've done with Jacoby Brissett and company has been miraculous. Pittsburgh's a pretty good damn defense, Mark. To go out and put 29 points up on that group is pretty impressive. It is impressive. And I, I think, obviously, look, Kevin Stefanski, that offensive staff, they deserve a lot of credit for what they dialed up conceptually for Jacoby Brissett, putting him in a very good position to be successful, play-action stuff, you know, a lot of different designs that give him opportunities to, say, read half of the field, some layered route concepts that make it a little bit easier for him to just dial in on that one area of the field and make the right decision with the football. But I think Brissett deserves a lot of credit, too, because this is obviously we all know and understand and appreciate sort of the situation that Jacoby Brissett is in. Right. You know, with Deshaun Watson coming to that organization, $230 million guaranteed money. But now he's out until December. Brissett has to sort of step in for a team that prior to the suspension for Watson, there were a lot of expectations in Cleveland. And now the, all the question and debate was, can Brissett keep this team afloat? I think he's shown that he's a good quarterback in the right situation. Now, is he a quarterback you win games because of? No, but he's that backup quarterback that I think every team would love to have that can step into a situation. You can win games with him. He can be successful if you do things around him that put him in a position where he can make the right decision, read and throw with the football. I was very impressed with his game last night. Obviously, the two running backs that they have, two very good running backs, and I think teams would love to have that kind of tandem in their backfield. But a lot of credit to Jacoby Brissett for how he played last night and how he really played this season. Yeah. Let's stick on the quarterbacks here, Mark. If I would have told you, say, back in July, 
that through the first two weeks of the season, the top three quarterbacks in passing yards of the National Football League would be Tua Tungavailoa, Carson Wentz, and Joe Flacco. What would Mark say to Linnell? I would probably have said at first blush that those three quarterbacks were on teams that were 0-2 and they were just racking up garbage time numbers. That's what my <laughs> blush in the, you know, off, you know, off the pocket, off the hip, shoot from the hip kind of response would have been. But look, all three, I mean, we talked about Carson Wentz last week. Yeah. Uh, all three quarterbacks have played well. I mean, I, I, you could obviously start with Tua down in Miami. And obviously headed into this year with the presence of Waddle, with the acquisition of Tyreek Kill, every question facing that offense was, okay, this is nice, this is great, fantastic job of roster construction to put the weapons in place, but can Tua take that next step? I think we saw last week in that comeback against Baltimore, he can, and he's in the process of taking that step forward. Because last year, when he had success, it was all because of the RPO, right? right. They built the entire plane out of the RPO. Now he's pushing it downfield more. He's being a bit more aggressive. Yes, the RPO element is still there, but it's not the entire offense. It's not a crutch for him. It's a portion of the entire menu. He's ordering off of every section of the menu right now. He's pushing it downfield. He's attacking between the numbers. He's moving defenders with his eyes. He's showing you the mental approach that you need to break down defenses schematically as a quarterback from the pocket. Playing extremely well. Joe Flacco, Look, what can you say? Tremendous comeback against Cleveland. I, I think he shows, again, similar to the Jacoby Brissett conversation, you need that kind of bo- backup quarterback that could step in and you can win games with. And with Carson Wentz, look, he put, had great numbers against Jacksonville, missed some throws against Detroit. That's kind of the discussion we had last week about yeah. Carson Wentz, right? It's, he's going to hit on some stuff downfield. There are some throws that he will make that not too many other quarterbacks that are starting games week in and week out can make. But then you see the miss to Logan Thomas where it's high, goes off of his hand. It's and a dagger, Mark. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of moment where, look, you're starting to get some momentum. You're starting to feel that game maybe shift a little bit, and then you get a play like that. And it's just – I know the only only had the seven interceptions last year, but it's interceptions like that are like the ones he had last year against the Titans where it's those, like you said, dagger-type moments where when you need him to make the big play, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Let's stick with Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins. They are honestly competing in the game of the week, in my opinion. They play host to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills this week. And I'm looking at the weather forecast, Mark. They're expecting some scattered thunderstorms out in Miami. That can make things interesting. But let's dive in a little deeper into the matchup. Obviously, we found out earlier today Micah Hyde and Jordan Phillips are going to be out for Buffalo. But that doesn't take away from what they've done defensively through the first two games of the season. I mean, They've made the number one seed from last year in the AFC, talking about the Titans, and the defending Super Bowl champions basically look like JV teams through the first two weeks of the season. How do you think they match up against Miami, and what type of problems do you think Tua and company could present to to Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, the Hyde injury is an interesting one because one of the things that really worked for Buffalo the past two weeks was they got on top of those teams, especially Tennessee. They got on top of them early. You turn them into one-dimensional teams. Then you've got Vaughn Miller, Gregory Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, the guys up front can just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. You create some pressure. You create some turnovers. The pick six, obviously, um, late in the game against Tennessee. That might not be a factor this weekend because this is a obviously a Miami offense that can put points on the board. And with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer in place, you have perhaps the best safety tandem in the league. Now with Hyde out, you can start stressing them downfield a little bit. You can start pushing it downfield. And we know what the speed of Hill and Waddle can do and how they can stress and stretch secondaries to their breaking point at times. With Hyde and Poyer in place, it's not as much of a concern because, again, best safety tandem in the league. But now with just one of them, you know, what do you do? Do you go too high? Do you bring the next safety in, drop them down in the box and try to play single high against them to help you against that RPO game because you're worried about that quick catch and throw. You bring that safety down in the box and take that away. But if you're playing single high up top, that's when offenses today want to push the ball downfield in the vertical passing game. So that sort of tension between, you know, what the Bills are going to do schematically and what the Dolphins want to do schematically is going to be interesting to watch. Of course, the flip side is, how do you slow down this Bills passing game? Yeah. <laughs> One of the things to watch for cover zero, zero blitzes, those pressure looks that Josh Boyer and the Dolphins love to dial up. You, I rewatched their games from last year because Josh Boyer was their defensive coordinator last year. Mm-hmm. He stuck around. He's a handover under Mike McDaniel. They dialed up some zero blitz looks. In their week eight game, they did it, I think, 14 times. They got it 
they got it working early in the game. They forced some incompletions, some throwaways. They got some free runners on Josh Allen. But in a one-score game late, they dialed it up that one last time. He hung in there through a touchdown. Yeah. I remember hearing years ago, Rod Gilmore, he said it, he was doing a game for ESPN, a college game. He said, if you go with zero blitz and you don't get home, that team's band is going to play. And that goes banned. I don't know if they have one or not, Linnell, but they were playing after that play. That's something to watch, too, this weekend. They probably were banging on tables, Mark. You know how the crazy folks out in Buffalo like to do. That's what they're all banging on the table. I'm about to say, they're either jumping through them or banging on them. Another interesting matchup this week actually resides in the NFC East, and it'll put a bow uh, on the Week 3 slate of games. Cowboys and Giants. Start with the Giants, man. They're out to a 2-0 start. Look, Daniel Jones hasn't been flawless by any stretch of the imagination through a mind-boggling interception last week. Obviously, it didn't kill him. But talk about Saquon Barkley and this Giants offensive line because I think that's really where it starts uh, with New York. That's where it starts with New York. And, you know, I think there's an interesting parallel to draw between this year's version of the Giants and last year's version of the Lions. Ah, I think what we're seeing right now in New York is a team that is bought into Brian Dable. And they may not, you know, go on and have a, you know, a plus or above, uh, you know, finish above 500. But I think this is a team that by we time we get to say late November, December, you know, maybe they faded from sort of playoff contention, but every week they're going to be playing hard for Brian Dable because when you have the win they did in week one, when he shows the confidence in the offensive line, in Barkley, to say, look, we're going to go, we're going to play to win this game, forget ties and things like that and play for overtime. We're going to go, we're going to win this game and they come through. That team has bought into what he has sort of put it in front of them in that locker room, week in and week out, day in and day out. And so I think that's going to be the comparison I'll be watching. Do they sort of have that year two that we might be seeing right now from the Detroit Lions? But that offensive line is playing well. Barkley looks like the guy we saw coming out of Penn State right now. Yes, Daniel Jones, obviously this this team ultimately goes as far as he can take them. But I think this group – they have bought into what Brian Dable has put in front of them, and that makes them a dangerous team right now, especially when you're facing a backup quarterback, right. you know, Cooper Rush, whatever Jerry Jones is trying to say about quarterback <laughs> controversy, things like that. But Jerry's a showman. He knows exactly what to do and what to say to get us to talk about him. You know, I think ultimately, though, this game comes down to this matchup. Micah Parsons against their tackles. Yep. Micah Parsons is just, if he's not, you know, top five pass rusher in the league right now, He's getting close. Right. You watch his game against Cincinnati. I wrote about it this week. It's just the, the change of direction skills, the explosiveness. And against the Bengals, they used them exclusively on the edge. I would imagine with New York's young tackles, that's where you're going to see him again on Monday night. Marco, let's go with this. Got to be quick with it. Eagles and Commanders, what does Washington have to do to have a puncher's chance uh, on Sunday? I think they have to figure out things in the secondary. I yeah. think you, we saw what's happened the first two weeks. You are going to see a lot of bunches, a lot of crossers, a lot of rub concepts. You have to sort out the communication in the secondary. You can't have guys like A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Quez Watkins running free. If you figure that stuff out, you've got that puncher's chance. Mark, I appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Enjoy week three. You too, my friend. Always a blast. Have a good one, Lunell. We'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Big thanks to Mark Schofield hopping on with us. Always get smarter talking ball with him. Make sure you give him a follow on the old Bird app at Mark Schofield and check out his work uh, for SB Nation. We've got to take a quick timeout when we come back. My favorite segment of the week, it's Nell's Super Six Pack, my top six teams across the National Football League heading into week three. That's next. Team 980 in the Odyssey app. Youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking you up to 3 o'clock here on the Burgundy in Gold today. The best Washington Commanders coverage in town. we got expert analysis, fan reaction, and the biggest names in Burgundy in Gold history. Coming up at the top of the hour at 2 o'clock, Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation going to come on and help us scout the opponent here, previewing Eagles and Commanders. We'll get it from the Eagles' vantage point. I'll be sure to ask him about the maturation process of Jalen Hurts because, like I mentioned, he has been 
absolutely spectacular through the first two weeks of the season and really has surpassed everyone's expectations uh, for him going into the year. Right now, though, my favorite segment of the week, you know what time it is, Nell's Super Six Pack, my top six teams across the National Football League. Hit it, Essie. We'll start with my number one team heading into week three. The Buffalo Bills just absolutely dominant through the first two weeks of the season. Murderers row to start out the season. They had to go on the road against the Rams. And then they were at home for the Tennessee Titans. The Titans, the number one seed in the AFC last year. And the Rams, obviously, the defending Super Bowl champions. They outscored them 72-17. to They had to pull Josh Allen in the third quarter on Monday Night Football against the Titans. They mean business. Von Miller and company getting after quarterbacks on the other side of the football. That secondary is no joke. And, man, the Buffalo Bills right now look like they're ready for the postseason. My number two team in those super six-pack, the Kansas City Chiefs, absolutely dominant win in week one against Kyler and the Cardinals. Then they go toe-to-toe with baby Jesus, talking about Justin Herbert in the L.A. Chargers. The thing I love the most about Kansas City right now, everyone thought this group would take some sort of major step back because of the loss of Tyreek Hill, and they have not blinked. And, look, Patrick Mahomes still proving He is the best quarterback in the National Football League. I love what they're doing on the offensive side of the football. And then on defense, they've got a pass rush. Rookie pass rusher George Karloftis from Purdue. Got shades of Ryan Kerrigan, man. Guy that rushes with a lot of motor. Strong kid at the point of attack. He just hustles, man. You combine that with Chris Jones, man, and you see why this Kansas City Chiefs defense means business so far this year. I think the Chiefs are going to end up being one of the top four teams remaining when it's all said and done. My third best team in the National Football League heading into week three is the commander's opponent this Sunday. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. What that team was able to do on Monday Night Football against that high-octane Vikings offense definitely deserves more praise. They held Justin Jefferson to 48 yards on 12 targets. That's only the second time in his young career he's been held under 50 yards on 11 or more targets. So, uh, yeah, they were special to say the least. You pick off Kirk Cousins three times, extremely impressive. But as I mentioned with Mark Schofield, man, what's been more impressive is the play of Jalen Hurts. He's playing like an MVP candidate through the first two weeks. Jalen Hurts Monday night became the first player in NFL history to complete 80% of his passes, throw for 300-plus yards, and have two rushing scores in a single game. I mean, he's doing things we haven't seen before. And it's crazy because heading into the season, he was the most scrutinized quarterback all offseason. It felt like him and Carson Wentz. But, man, the kid started off 11 for 11 on Monday night. The command that he's showing for that Eagles offense, I mean, it's been impressive. And the guys gravitate to him. I love it. Expect the Eagles to be one of the final teams standing when it's all said and done as well. My fourth best team in Nell's Super Six Pack, Baby Jesus, Justin Herbert, and the L.A. Chargers. He's tough as nails, man. Ends up injuring his ribs against the Kansas City Chiefs. They should have taken him out of the damn football game, but no. Tough as nails, goes out and throws a bomb touchdown pass in the midst of it all. I mean, I've been a big Justin Herbert fan since last year. I think after the year is over and when it's all said and done, we're going to recognize him as one of the top six or seven quarterbacks in the National Football League. You want to talk about a guy being built in a damn laboratory at the quarterback position? He's exactly what the doctor ordered uh, when you're talking about building your premier quarterback. And the thing that I love, the thing that I love is this defense. They open up with the Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. And in both games, you don't even give up over 320 yards. I thought it was impressive. That pass rush uh, spearheaded by Bosa and uh, Khalil Mack really has given opposing teams fits thus far. Their secondary has got talent all over the place. Derwin James is off to an excellent start this season, and he's healthy. And that's going to be the caveat when it comes to the L.A. Chargers. If they can stay healthy, I think they'll be a contender in the AFC. My number five team in Nell's Super Six Pack is Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Defensively, they have been dominant. The thing that I love about them the most is they're finding different ways to win. We haven't even seen Tom Brady have a Tom Brady-like performance yet this season. Leonard Fournette carried him in the opener against a stout Dallas defense, running for over 140 yards on the ground. If they could continue that formula and keep the balance in that offense, Come December and January, when the games really matter, man, they're going to be a juggernaut 
uh, to try to take down. The passing offense hadn't even gotten around to it yet. They haven't even gotten off the ground. When it does, though, they will roll. My final team in Nell's Super Six Pack, the defending champion L.A. Rams. I know they had another scare last week against the Falcons, and they put up a stinker performance week one against the Bills. But, man, look, Matt Stafford's going to come around eventually. And I think he's really the the key part of this offense. Five interceptions uh, in the first two weeks. That number cannot sustain if it does <laughs> then they won't be in no super six-pack much longer. I look at the talent defensively, though, and I say this. You still got Jalen Ramsey. You still got Aaron Donald. As long as you have those two guys on your defense, you're probably going to be okay. Look, they almost didn't make the list. And what I'll start doing when I give out my super six-pack is the team that almost cracked this list in this week is Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins. I love what they're doing offensively. Defensively, though, last week against Baltimore, it was not one of their better performances. I think they bounced back against Buffalo defensively and really make things difficult for Josh Allen and company. They've got the dogs at the cornerback spot to where you're able to play a lot of zero coverage and send a lot of exotic pressure looks. If that's how you want to beat the Buffalo Bills, you got to do that. Get Josh Allen off his spots and make him play from outside of the pocket and make these off-schedule throws, which he's good at. I just don't think he'll be able to make a living doing it. The Dolphins, the seventh team in my Super 6-pack. That's going to do it. When we come back, Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green set to join us. He'll give us the latest on the Philadelphia Eagles. Plus, we'll ask him just how good Jalen Hurts has really been through the first two weeks of the season. Don't go anywhere. This is Burgundy and Gold today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.